My name's Emma Cooper and you're listening to the Network Marketing Man Audio Experience. I'm going to press play on like a few devices. So welcome to the wonderful Gemma Russell. I'm recording this. I am putting it onto video. I am sharing it with people because I really think we're going to get some really, really good value uh, for all of the listeners, watchers, wherever you are uh, today. So this is my very good friend, Gem. I'm going to warn you now, switch your ears in, tune them in. She's Scottish. (laughs) I have to like get ready i'm like okay Gemma. Yeah. i have to say the scot say it in scottish in my voice hey <laughs> and then i'm in with it so Gem, just introduce yourself a little bit and then i'll tell them what we're going to talk about okay thank you so much for having me on first yeah, of all okay. i'm really really appreciative and honored uh, my name is Gemma russell and i am an rtt which stands for rapid transformational therapy hypnotherapist Ooh. Hmm. See, i hey. didn't actually know that <laughs> Rapid no, I, mean, I didn't know it was rapid. Yeah, super rapid. Oh, yeah. Okay, just became even more attractive. Yeah. <laughs> so That's what I do, and I also um, run a network marketing business alongside that. Of course. So we're going to talk today about hypnotherapy because mm-hmm. it's something that actually I, if I can't see it, I don't believe it, which is ridiculous because I can't see electricity, but I believe that it works because I see the result. <laughs> So it's the same thing, right? Hypnotherapy is like, whether you believe it or not, do it. If you see a result, great. And if you don't, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you come across it? So I, um, due to the fact that I've been in network marketing for about five years now, I, um, when I got into that business, I got introduced to the world of personal and self-development mm-hmm. um, and have been a massive advocate for that for the last five years. It's completely and radically changed my life. So I then got introduced to a lady called Marissa Peer because I just came across one of her videos about two and a half years ago. And she donned, well, she didn't don the phrase, but she very much sticks by the phrase, I am enough, and has done lots of video, YouTube videos and stuff. So I got interested to, I really like what she has to say. She's quite funny. And that's where I got my interest with that. And then I came across a video where it says, you know, you can help people using this method. At the time, I didn't know it was hypnotherapy. I just knew that, it was a rapid way to change people's whatever was going on in their lives that was yeah. a pain point for them. So um, when I realized that I could do this, the stars aligned, literally the universe aligned and was like, here you go, here's the money to go and do this. Bang, on you go. I love um, it. Everything worked out. My, my, you know, I had to go across to LA to get the training. Um, my daughter managed to get looked after by her granny for a whole week, which had never happened before. It just, <laughs> it was amazing. So I got in, I, I got across um, and this is where I started to kind of really understand exactly why we have all of these issues that we face today. When I realized that I could help people, um, you know, a little bit of my backstory is that I lost my I mom. was just going to say, I was just going to say, you have got, I mean, you talk about pain, you talk about stories, you talk about people having, like being ruled by a set of beliefs that they have. And sometimes you've got no idea where those set of beliefs come from. Yeah. Um, but I find, I mean, I literally don't, I even said to you, I don't know if we can be friends. Like some tragic <laughs> stuff has really happened to you. Like, I don't know whether it's going to be like Final Destination or like you are the Grim Reaper. You know what I mean? Befriend me and you, you will die. You said that to me when we were sitting in Dubai. <laughs> yes, yes. 
and we just got ourselves a salad and you were at a big company convention thing and you said to me I'm not really sure I want to be friends with you I'm not sure if I love you then I'm, I may die <laughs> I'm serious I was like you're like Jessica Fletcher remember Murder She Wrote I'm like death follows you like everywhere Jessica Fletcher turns up like you don't want to be because someone dies there <laughs> We laugh about it now because you've come so far in, in your journey. But yeah, give them a bit of backstory about your, your tragic life. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's, um, although it has been a massive tragedy in my life, it has been one of the biggest blessings. Um, and I know that that must sound a bit crazy for people to hear, but almost eight years ago, I lost my mum to suicide. And um, following a year, following her whole life of being going through some mental illness, which was brought on by the fact that she never really truly believed that she was enough, that she was loved, that she was lovable, etc. like all those sorts of things. I know that now. Um, and uh, with my background, uh, everything leading up to the suicide and then suicide happening, as you can imagine, the, the indescribable pain that comes from that death with your mother, mm. I mean, it's, you can't, you literally can't put words to it. It's just out of this world painful. However, I have um, seen this as a blessing in a way, although I would give anything to have her back, you know, especially with a child that I want to pawn off all the time to my mum. Take her, take her. You know, what I have gained from this is the, I suppose the insight into people's pain and the burning desire to help people not succumb to mental health issues and a whole host of other things. And so, that's why I'm really, really passionate about figuring out why do you have this issue? Um, whatever it is, anxiety, depression, anything that's kind of gone on in the mental health world, why do you have this issue? Because there is a reason. It is not hereditary. There is a reason for you having this. And so therefore being able to go into access your Can mind. Can I ask that then? When you say it's not hereditary, is that mental health in general you think yeah. is not hereditary? Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not hereditary. Here's the interesting thing about chemical imbalance. Mm. So whenever you go to the doctors, and this is, I am not bashing doctors here at all. I think they're amazing. What they do for us is incredible. But they're not trained in mental health the way that they should be. And the problem is, is that someone starts to feel anxious or depressed. They don't understand what's going on. The first protocol is the doctor. Yeah. The doctor doesn't really know how to deal with the core root cause of the issue. Therefore, <laughs> counselling is offered. This counselling is list upon list. You're there for ages. Then you're throwing some medication at you. Here, go and mask your problem. You must have a chemical imbalance. I've got to say, this is hilarious because um, <clears throat> it must have been just after Christmas. I don't know if I told you about this, Jen, but I had a visit. Phys- My sister had just had a FaceTime with a lady um, who has a rare and aggressive cancer, the same as what my sister was diagnosed with. I walked off from my sister, I walked into my utility room to put something in the microwave and it felt like somebody put their hand inside my chest and literally went boom boom, squeezed my heart like boom boom and it was it was so physical I dropped to my knees Jeez. and it really hurt because I got stone floor in there. So I was literally like oh my god, didn't say anything to my sister because I didn't want to worry her. But I said to my mum, oh my God, mum, like literally this just happened. She's like, go and see the doctor. I said, I'm not going to see the doctor. So you've got to. Anyway, go to the doctor. I spoke to a friend of mine who's a consultant. He's like, and that's anxiety. I said, shut up. 
that painful mm. it happened three more times where it literally took me to my knees mm-hmm. and I was like no way I went into the doctors I said listen uh, like listen my friend's a consultant he said it's anxiety but I just wanted to like I don't know what I could do about that but this is what happened and he he literally didn't even I said but my sister has got cancer we've been really struggling I've moved countries and he literally just went can you take your top off <laughs> it's like sorry and he just meant he just meant my my shirt like so he could listen to my heartbeat and I was like oh where's this going (laughs) it's the most action I've seen in months no but literally um checked my my heart um examined me listened to me cough breathe whatever and said nope you're fine I was like thank you doctor and I walked out yeah I know for a fact that I was struggling with depression at that point. Yeah. But I was too scared to say, and if he, if he had asked, I would have told him I probably would have broke down. But he mm-hmm. never said a word. Didn't yeah. ask how I was, didn't ask how things would go with my sister, nothing. So I actually agree with you, and I think it's kind of like bad bedside manner, isn't it? They say. Yeah. Um, but I agree that they, you know, not, not everybody... Um, yeah, but, but that can be the like, error. That can be the error, can't it? Yeah, and I think that that is the problem is that so many people now are being presented with these issues that they just don't know what to do, and therefore they give a pill. Now, a pill, an antidepressant, anti-anxiety yeah. med, they're designed to, well, your antidepressants are designed to lift your serotonin level. Now, even somebody like myself, who doesn't suffer with anxiety or depression, was to take an antidepressant my mood would lift. It's chemically designed to do that. So okay. the minute I put that pill into, not the minute, but like the, as it builds yeah. up the next few weeks, my mood would start to lift. So what happens if I come off them? My mood will drop. So I've never had depression, but yet I'm given these, these chemicals that then lift my mood. And of course, when I come off them, my mood is gonna drop. And that's why then people say, oh, I need it because my mood drops. Of yeah. course your mood is gonna drop. All you've done is mask the issue. The issue is still there. It's still part of you. You need to figure out the root cause of what was going on there in order to get rid and be able to live an anxiety and depression free life. Absolutely. Trust me, it can happen. And it's so interesting what you said there. I just Googled that whilst you were speaking. So there's a really famous saying, um, Marissa Pierre, the lady who trained me in this training, who created it, loves this saying. And I always have to Google it because I never get it right. But the (laughs) saying is, the sorrow which has no vent in tears may make other organs weep. So the sorrow, which has no vented tears, may make other organs weep. And what that's basically saying is, if you're not allowed, able, or for whatever reason, repress, suppress your emotions down, it will come out in the form of cancer, in the form of other diseases. It will come out in the form of anxiety, depression, anger, mm. hurt, emotions, everything like that. It's gonna come out in one, one way, shape or form. Yeah. That's why if we can teach our kids now, yeah. to be and you know deal with these emotions we're going to create resilient human beings i don't know whether i want to ask you this question that's popped into my head <laughs> because i don't know whether um it might be controversial i mean when i was a kid we never had you know oh my five-year-old has anxiety which is very real like i've mm-hmm. i've spoken to other mums who are like my five-year-old's struggling with anxiety and I'm sure most people, unless you have that child and you see it, mm-hmm. you, you can't possibly understand. I can't possibly understand. I don't get it. I'm yeah. like, how can a five-year-old then that 
isn't holding on to anything, how can they get anxiety? How can they have these things? There's loads of different things going on from now, from what there was when we were younger. Um, social media playing the main part mm-hmm. um, because before we would get bullied at school and then go home. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, we get bullied at school and then we, our sanctuary would be at home. Now the bullying has been taken into our homes. And that's why we see nine year olds hanging themselves and horrific situations like this because. Uh-huh. I've, been to, I've been to a couple in the police, kids. Wow. Horrific. Children. Horrific. Oh, that's just like heartbreaking. It's and, uh, un- unreal. It's, it is unreal and I think it's just that what's so that that's one reason we've got that added pressure of social media but it's always always been there it's just that we now have a word for it you know so when when we were younger when we were in our were you know we're in our 30s when we were younger our parents possibly had a child who's just a bit more sensitive than the others yeah. or you know it's a bit she's a bit of a worrier yeah but realize the full extent of I, I was saying this to my mum. I said, you know, I was terrified every day going into school. She was like, you weren't? I said, I was. I used to feel sick, like my stomach was in knots. And she's like, but you loved school. I said, yeah, I loved it when I was there. But the yeah. thought of going there, I said, terrified me. She said, you loved your teachers. I'm like, I know I did, yeah. yeah. So I wonder if that, maybe that's but anxious, actually, you know. I, I, I just thought I was scared. <laughs> I had a client, who, but that's exactly it. So I had a client who went back to when she was about four and left in nursery. And she can remember the excruciating pain of her mum walking away. She walked past the window. She could see her. She remembers it walking past the window, leaving her. And she and I said, "How do you feel? I feel sad. She's left me. Why is she not coming back for me? I don't want to be here. The kids hate me. I hate them." And it was I almost cried listening to this woman recalling yeah. her being four years old. Because the thing is, is that if you think about it. So we have a brain in the front of here called a prefrontal cortex brain. It doesn't fully develop till we're twenty-five. 25. I can blame all those mistakes. Sorry, it was the underdevelopment of my prefrontal cortex. (laughs) I'm a bit of a dunce. (laughs) But if you think about every little experience that we go through, now when we're four and five, our brains are that underdeveloped because we're only little and we've got tiny little brains that, you know, our kids spout things half the time. They don't have a freaking clue what they're saying. They don't like, my daughter is almost six and she comes out with things and I'm like, okay. But that little brain is now developing untrue beliefs that will carry her her whole life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what happened to us when we were younger. Now, adding into the mix any kind of traumatic event, that's why we get serious PTSD, extreme depression. You know, like if you've gone through something that was traumatic, yeah. or even just someone has said something to you that your brain has latched onto, and then you go, okay, for example, being fat. Mm-hmm. Somebody has said to you, know, I had a client recently who remembers being about 13, sitting at school, remembers that her friend wasn't really eating food, so she doesn't know why. Her friend's brother has said something to her about her being fat. She's very aware she's being fat. She starts throwing up to get rid of fat. No and way. it's just because that's how her young mind has interpreted. Yeah, her perception. Perception. Yeah. It's yeah. personal. And, and is it true that she's not enough because she's a bit overweight? Absolutely not. If Wills came to you tomorrow and said, Mummy, I don't think I'm enough for this world, you would be absolutely... I know, but who... Happy. I mean, they don't say that, do they? It comes in other stuff. Yes, because yeah. they, can't, they can't say, Hey, Mum, I don't actually think I'm enough. But what I'm trying to point out is, if your six-year-old or your five-year-old comes to you and says, 
hey, mum, I don't think I'm enough. You would do whatever it took to make sure that they understood that that was not true. I actually wouldn't. I'd be like, what do you mean enough? Go and have fun. <laughs> you're five. Who cares? Six. What do yeah, you You're, you're going to probably take the first 25 years proving that, yeah, you're probably not enough. Like, you're going to make <laughs> stupid choices. Have fun while you do it. Worry about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that is the problem. We kind of we... think too much, though, don't we? With our... I mean, yes, what we're programming into our children, one of the things actually that yeah. jumped into my mind, this is, well, it's not that funny, but I only realised this probably a couple of months ago when I was really thinking about why I am the way I am. Yeah. And um, my mum was mortified, but, like, she did nothing wrong. Uh, I, my mum used to say, oh, um, call me lazy. Not like, you're lazy. Just like, don't be lazy. Look at you yeah. being lazy. Get off there. Stop being lazy. But <laughs> not, like, in a, um, you know, like, what do you call it? Abusive way. No, not at all. And also, my brother's gay. He loves to clean. No stereotypes here. <laughs> like, he used to hoover and polish for her all the time. My sister was just like, she's just gorgeous and always wants to help. And I was, I loved my sleep. So I came home. I did my homework quick. I got in bed for Home and Away Neighbours, 25 to 5. Home and Away, Home and Away Neighbours. I was in bed. So she would always say like, you're so lazy. What are you doing in bed? You know? Yeah. And it yeah. stuck with me. Yeah, and I think that's work. why every single job that I've done, it's not a bad thing, it's made me work. Every mm. single job I've done from my first waitressing job at 13 to, you know, to running a businesses, that's why I always, I feel like I have to prove myself. Like, I'm not lazy. I'm not lazy, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, and it is, and it is just flipping remarks. Like, I say this to everybody, our parents don't get up in the morning and think, <laughs> how can I screw up my kids' life? <laughs> Like, it's just, true. It's true. They don't say that. They yeah. Don't even think it. Like every single, even my parents, like my parents made massive mistakes throughout my whole childhood. But never would I hold that against them. I used to. I don't now because no. I, I view it as every single one of us is just doing the best we can with our ability. Yeah. What else can we do? What yeah. more can we do? However, unfortunately, like it's just the way that our minds are developed. Yeah. The way that they, the way that they come together. But here's the serious part of it. For some people, it goes into anxiety and severe depression and severe anxiety, and it is life crippling. And for those people, we need to change it. Like, you don't need to live like that. And can and we say right. for people who maybe don't struggle with anything like this themselves, but maybe they're around others, like, mm. never assume you know who struggles with this because yeah. it will be the people you least expect. Like, no one ever thought that I struggled with anything like that, do you know? And it miffs me off that I do. It mm -hmm. really, really miffs me off. So I am going to do some work with you because I, I feel so... And I know you shouldn't feel like this, but I feel weak. I feel embarrassed to say that I struggle with depression because I feel like the, the stigma attached to it is, oh, somebody who's just sad or somebody yeah. who's going to sit and moan their arse off to me, or, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Or anxiety. Oh, well, that's like some prissy little weak person. And it yeah. really miffs me off because I'm like, don't think I'm weak. I'm strong. Yeah. I am a strong woman. I can run a business. I can build a business. I can take care of my family. I don't need anybody. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a tough cookie. But I still struggle with it. So if you have people around you, don't assume like, oh, they're okay. They do well in life. Like, oh, they seem confident or whatever. Yeah, you might be confident. I'm confident in who I am as a person, but that thing is my 
whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you're right. It's the stigma that's attached to it that makes yeah. you feel so yeah. I wanted to go over actually just before we go into this um we were talking about what hypnotherapy can potentially help you with one you know and this is just one stream of like something that may help or even get you thinking about yeah, yeah maybe I got an ish with that <laughs> but um anxiety depression fears phobias addictions weight issues confidence self-esteem all of those things it can potentially have a benefit with yeah, it will have a benefit with. Sorry, will. <laughs> it, right. it must. It must depend, though, surely, on the client, on the participant. Because if I'm sat there and in my head I'm thinking this is nonsense, this is nonsense, it's not going to work, is it? You've got to have a uh, willingness yeah. to like, I'm yeah. going to just go with this. Screw yeah. it. What's the worst that can happen? I don't feel any different. I'm certainly not going to feel worse. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right about that. I think with with this and I actually vet people so before I take a client I have a 30 minute phone call with them I get them to explain what's going on for them I then explain what I can help with and then I check where they're at in terms of their commitment to change um, and honestly if they say anything from on a scale of 1 to 10 like 10 you know 100% committed I'll do whatever it takes if they're 5 or 6 or below I just won't take them and I just explain to them that there's no point in you A wasting your money your time your energy in investing in something like this because it is an investment in yourself when you are not quite at that stage because it's just not going to work yeah okay so you've yes, got to be ready for change you hundred like 100 percent. so tell us then like what is hypnotherapy so <clears throat> what i do there's normal hypnotherapy there's different techniques of hypnotherapy but with rtt so rapid transmissional therapy what that actually does is we go straight to the root cause of why you have this issue. So hypnotherapy itself, I know that you've been hypnotized. Yeah. Um, it is not like stage hypnotherapy where you're like out, I'm yeah. coming like a chicken. It's not like that. It's just a very relaxed state of mind, which is an alpha brainwave. So our kids are in alpha brainwaves until they're seven. And that means that they're literally soaking up every single suggestion that you give to them. So everything that they're hearing, they're like, yeah, okay, that, well, that's what she says. So it must be true. And so what's happening is you have formed some of your beliefs probably before you were seven and then it latches and then that belief then sticks to you. So I'll just give you an example. Um, imagine that a child at the age of four loses their mum. So they wake up one day, mum's passed away. So they say, you know, the adults around them, mum's in the heavens, mum's in the stars. First of all, that kid doesn't have a friggin' clue what death is. They don't understand the time aspect. Um, even now, you know, and he is just starting to get the hang of like next year. Sometimes she'll say, hey, next year, mum, I'm yeah. going to get this in here. She's talking about tomorrow. Yeah. So that whole aspect of things. So what that kid could potentially internalise is, okay, hold on a minute. So mum is gone and she wasn't, now she's not here. Um, and she was here before. So um, she must not love me. And so because if she did love me, she would be here for me. I need her. And that's how that small little brain can misinterpret that experience now even if that child then grows up and goes on to become an adult who can look back at that experience and say why not of course my mom loved me it wasn't her fault that she died she yeah. just died like of course i'm enough of course i'm lovable like that's that's not true it doesn't matter because at the age of four that child has latched onto that belief and then i bet your bottom dollar that his kid has gone out into the world and attracted situations people to verify that belief. Yeah. They'll go on to have shitty relationships. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, relationships. 
uh, sorry, uh, they'll go on to have crap relationships, they'll go on to be in situations, even at work situations where people speak, speak to them like rubbish or treat them like rubbish because of their internal status, I am not enough or, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, they're going to attract those kind of people in. So with weight, anxiety, you know, even like with weight, you could have at one point when you're younger gone through something, could have even just been a flippant remark by someone and you've turned to food and food is a comfort. Therefore, as soon as you've seen that food is a comfort, even when you're now 35 and trying to lose weight and you're like, right, that's it. On Monday, I'm going to start eating well. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to be amazing. I'm going to eat apples all day. And then by 3 p.m. you've got a marsh on your hand. And you're like, oh, put it back in there. And it's because your subconscious mind is battling your mind, your conscious mind is saying, no, no, no. Because you told me when you were five that food was comforting and that's what you made me feel. So therefore, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to keep you in that state. So boom. And that's why things like Slimming World, Weight Watchers, Mm -hmm. they are successful companies because people go lose all the weight and have to go back because they pile it all back on. Until you change that set inside of you, the way your subconscious and your conscious mind marries up and has the same thought process, it will always be this way. So until you can mastermind with your subconscious mind and your conscious mind with anxiety, yeah. if, I, if I don't think I'm enough, I'm going to worry about what people think about me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, I've had clients come to me and say, I feel like I don't matter. I feel like my opinion doesn't matter. I feel like um, people aren't going to bother about what I've got to say. The amount of anxiety clients that I've come in saying that, I feel like I'm not me anymore. I feel like I don't really know who I am. Yeah, of that's a big one. Yeah. Especially for mums, I think. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, oh my gosh, I've been in this mode for so I don't even know what I like. Yeah, <laughs> I like, and that's such a. I've been through that a couple of times. So I'm like, I don't even know who I am anymore. <laughs> Zombified. No yeah. It's so true. So, what we do in RTT is we don't, you know, and therapy, normal therapy, and hypnotherapy, you can go back and you can talk about the issue and you can, you know, compartmentalize things in your brain. With RTT, we go straight to the root cause. Okay. So, I regress you. And I say to your mind, tell me exactly why you have anxiety today. And boom, these scenes from your life will come up. Feelings, emotions, thought processes. And then as soon as they come up, it's my my job to be a detective. So my job is like, why are you feeling like this? So for example, if a scene came up when you were 13, 14, going to your bed, your mum's calling you lazy all the time, I would be like, tell me how it feels. Well, I feel I feel rubbish. You know, I feel like, I, I feel like she... Um, are you trying to make me cry? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Picture yourself. oh, she yeah. goes, yeah, stop it. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so I feel like I'm left out. My brother's the blue eyed boy, my sister's the <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm the one who's left to be the, the badass or the, the lazy one or whatever. How does that make you feel deeper, deeper, deeper? Okay. And for some people, they can have ab reactions, which is where your body has a physical reaction to emotions. Some people are sick feel sick and and have been sick in our therapy sessions because it's getting the emotions out. It is crazy what happens. But but as soon as we we figure out what beliefs was that five-year-old child, seven-year-old child, I have even had where people come back to being in the womb, like because they can hear things around. Honestly, it's unbelievable. I've even actually gone back to someone going into a past life, which scared the bejesus. Okay, no, okay, no. This is is way beyond my, like, spectrum uh, I, of belief I didn't really know how to deal with that either to be can you imagine like listen if I, I mean I can just about trust that electricity is electricity <laughs> and I, I feel surrounded by light but that is too much for me my mum actually once went 
um, and they told her about her past life, and we still, st- yeah, but we still absolutely rip her for it now. <laughs> they said that she had something like she had really big boobs and walked with a stoop, so we're like, ooh, nice one, mum. Like Gollum. <laughs> it's terrible, but you know. People's beliefs, sex as well. You know, like, of course, of course. I'm not sure how I feel about past lives either, um, you know, to be yeah. honest, but that was what was real for her. And no, whether it's real or not, that's what's affecting her. If it works, you know? it works, right? So yeah. your tips right now, uh, I really loved, I mean, we've spoken about it before. I know when my sister um, with cancer, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was you actually who said to my brother, tell her to stop saying no, my cancer. You. So yeah. just go, touch on a little bit of that before you give them like some real good tips to start managing right now, you know, start making changes right now if they, you know, do have an addiction, if they have got a weight issue, if they do have phobias, if they are struggling with confidence or anxiety or depression, whatever it is, um, let's get some practical tips so they can start to put into action right now. Um, and, you know, that having that knowledge is going to help them move forward. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the first thing is just exactly what you said. Whether it's anxiety, depression, you know, cancer, any kind of disease and things like that, stop calling it mine. Yeah. So as soon as you label it yours, it's my anxiety, it's my depression, it's my cancer, it becomes part of you. You know, you can't differentiate between anxiety and, you know, even cancer, it's an illness. It doesn't belong to you. So stop calling it yours. And as soon as you disassociate from it, it can help you in your your journey mm-hmm. to you know just becoming even further away from it. So it's really interesting when I do the therapy yeah. sessions that beforehand everybody everybody calls it my my fear. I used to have a fear of robbers until I had a session done, and I used to call it my fear. I know it's it's crazy. Rob, as in cops and robbers. By the way, I just got a the police officer in me. They're not robbers if they're going into your house, they're burglars, just to say. I've been robbed, you haven't, you've been burgled. So a robber is when you get robbed in the street. Uh, well you can get robbed in your house, but like like but if you're on about just people coming into your like you're being burgled, you're not being robbed. Oh, okay, right. He robbed my purse, he didn't, he stole your purse. <laughs> Yeah, he robbed me. What did he do? Like, I don't know. Nick my bag from my car. He didn't then. He broke into your car. <laughs> he robbed me. Um, okay. oh, no, I wanted to say about the my thing. I genuinely think that any of my friends or, or people that are close to me that struggle with anxiety too, if I ever said, like, oh, do you want to come for a meal? And they, I can't. My, my anxiety is so bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. what it is. And I, I'll say, like, I'm struggling with my depression. Yeah. So bad. I'm going to stop doing that. It's, and it's just because it's just, you know, it's, it's become part of you. But when I find that um, I speak to clients beforehand, afterwards, once they are fixed, they then, they then by themselves refer to it as the, I had one client who texted me and said, the anxiety is completely gone. And I was like, it's not funny. You've started to refer to it as the. And she was like, wow, I never even noticed. So it's because when you dissociate from it, and these are just little tips. Obviously, there's a lot more to do. Of course, yeah. Little tips that can really just start you off. Get your mind starting to think away from it. Yeah. It is not your anxiety. You have not created this. It has come upon you. It is the. So stop calling it my. Start calling it the anxiety and recognize it for what it is. It is anxiety. And then ask yourself, is this true? So is what I am anxious about right now true? 
No. So, for example, with, with my with the with the fear that I had before, I don't have any more because I had a session done. With the fear that I had of robbers, um, with that fear that I had, whenever I called it my fear, and then I would think, is it true? Is it true that I'm about to be burgled and they're going to steal my child? No. Is that potential? Is that potential? Of course, it like of course, every, anybody can get burgled. Yeah. But is it so far removed that it's going to actually happen to me? Yes. So is it true? No. So just allowing yourself. The other another really good tip for people, particularly with anxiety, is when you feel that anxiety start to build up inside of you, the knot, the extreme tightness, the chest thing. You know that kind of like oh that, that yeah. I've had some people where it's feeling like something heavy on top of their chest. An elephant. As soon as that, yeah, as soon as that starts to come, the best breathing technique that I've ever found, and I actually do with this with my child, is the four four four. So where you literally go breathe in one two three four, hold it for four, and then breathe out for four. And if you do this enough times, it does a few things. It stops the train of thought because you're focusing on your breath and it makes sure that you are allowing yourself that space and time to get out of that anxiety build anxiety build up so the four 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 method four 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 in hold out in hold out in hold out and it's so powerful like if you did that for a minute straight you'd be like oh what what, what was going on there you're so focused on and counting yeah. and then blowing it out and then counting and then counting and it just completely takes your mind away from it and it's just another little tip that you can put into place that's amazing to four, four, four. stop that thought process yeah so stop it, saying my stop owning it stop saying my yeah 444 444 four, four method um, and I think something else that I would probably give as a good tip is that to understand that everything that's going on for you is simply not true so when you, I'll give you an example of this. When perhaps you're a business owner, so like yourself and myself, we have to do things that are out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to do live videos on Facebook or we have to speak to people that we don't know or we have to sell our product to, to a client or perhaps go to a networking event or you know something that pushes ourselves out of our comfort zone. For a lot of us, that's the fear of rejection. They're going to think that I look stupid. They think mm-hmm. that I, they, it doesn't matter what I've got to say. Uh, you know, I can't. Who would listen to me anyway? Yeah, my my, I'm charging too much for my service. You know, all that sort of stuff. You don't have the belief in yourself. It's a fear of rejection. So it's about what that person is going to say. So just again, want you to. I really have a good think about this. About where does this fear come from? Why do I feel this fear? Why do I feel? Is it because I feel like, you know, when you really kind of take those building blocks away and get to the root core of it. Is it because you just don't feel enough? And I do this with a lot of people. My friends actually are sick of me asking them, like, do you feel enough? Like, do you genuinely feel enough? <laughs> if you said that to me, I think I'd be tempted to poke you in the eye, though. I'm like, what kind of <laughs> questions are enough for what? Do you feel enough for this world? Do you feel that you yeah. are Yeah, well, it, listen, you've got no choice. You're here, crack on. Yeah. That's maybe your viewpoint, but so many people don't think like that. But do you think anyone actually says, am I enough? No, yeah. they think like, oh, I'm not good enough to do that, or I'm not brave enough to do that, or I'm not confident enough to do that. That's mean, yeah. Oh, so that, oh, I was thinking it was this really deep, like, am I enough? No, 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 but, but like, am I, good, am I good enough to stand up here? Okay, because... okay, yeah, sorry, that I'm, makes I'm, way more I'm, sense and less fluff to me. That's yeah. way more like, <laughs> am I good enough? Am I brave enough? Am I courageous enough? Do I yeah. speak nicely enough? Am I just like enough in am those I, areas? Am I pretty enough? Like, that's such a big deal for people. Is my forehead big enough? <laughs> you yes. 
Hey, I love my Am I good enough to stand on the stage and speak about this particular issue? Like, are they going to think that what I've got to say matters? Yeah. I am enough is a generalization of all of those other. Okay, got you now. Got you now. Got I'm, you now. Yeah, sorry, I probably haven't explained that very well. The no, thing no. with rejection, here's the deal about rejection. We as human beings are meant to be in community. Okay. One of the causes of depression can be not being a part of a community. This is why social media. Yeah, makes it worse. Did you know back in the day when like churches, I don't know how to explain this, but churches were a thing, you know, like, well, like, actually our whole community, I've said this to Sean, I was like, we should go back to church. You know, if like when we were kids, and it was a community. It's like where everyone gathered on a Sunday before yeah. phones, before anything. You just knew that, you know, and now if all communication went down, unless you were going to someone's house or you knew where they lived or whatever, if, yeah. if we lost our phones, social media stuff, how would you know where to find anyone? Yeah. Like yeah. you went to church on a Sunday. Everyone will be at church on Sunday. That's where you'll find people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They actually, back in the day, churches probably still have them today. They had little banishment windows, and so what would happen is, if somebody betrayed the community, the pack, the herd, that sort of thing, they would get banished out of the community, and there would be an, on the other side of the church a wee window that they could look through. No, you're lying. Right. You're lying. So, so that that part of these things it shows us that community has been such a large part of our development throughout the years. Even caveman days, we had to stick together. Yeah. You know, like our brains were designed to stick together and part of the herd, part of that pack. So if you're rejected, if an animal is rejected from the herd, I mean, it can kill them. You know, it means certain death. It's the same for us. Yeah, see, so I, 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 when I, when people tell me about the, the fear of rejection, I'm always like, yeah, but so what though? Because I don't struggle with it. Yes. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. It's no big deal. Like, there's a lot of people on the earth. It'll be fine. I'll find someone who likes me. <laughs> but do you know that's, what I mean? But, but. That's such a big deal for people, though. Yes. And now I understand more. Yeah. But you, <gasps> you're going to be so good for I people. don't have this fear of rejection. I don't have a fear of standing up and speaking to people. No, if you did, you would making... not be such an idiot. <laughs> no, I, would, I don't have a fear of making a tip of myself. I was literally. <laughs> or in live videos like it just doesn't bother me no um, and I, that's probably something to do with my childhood maybe I, you know for some reason my mum did an amazing job looking after us and we're all we're all cocky <laughs> you know but it's it's just the way that we're we're built for the 95 percent of the population that is not the case no. and they have a fear of rejection and fear of you know being kind of of of, of judged for that and so that is a big deal for people. And so that's what prevents people from going forward in business, yeah. from going forward and taking the next step and pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. And so that, that fear of rejection is normal. You are not a freak because you feel like that, but that does not mean that you should put up with it. You must do the investigation to find out why it's there and turn it around and force yourself to get out of your comfort zone. Do you know, this, this, this stuff is so valuable for people. Um, because, sorry, my squeaky chair, because I'm sat here with a nice throw over me, <laughs> like an old woman. <laughs> um, th- this is so valuable for people because uh, we, we've chatted in the last couple of days and we were talking about the life that we live in now, this social media kind of, you know, how people are doing business. 
we all seen like the high street shops are shutting down. You know, like you used to go to town on a weekend and you bump into people you knew. We had that community thing. So from churches went to high streets, really, didn't it? Local towns and things. Um, and we don't have that stuff anymore. And I think that we do need to be careful. You know, there are so much of this stuff, this anxieties and confidence issues and self-esteem going on because... The way that our world is running now is we buy things because we see see other people using them. We see results from other people. We're buying with our eyes online and we buy because of authenticity. We like to see people be authentic and say like, listen, this is all right, this. You might want to try it. You know mm. what I mean? Like that that is how our world is working. Even William, today we've been setting up his own YouTube channel. You know, but listen... Who am I to say, no, William, you can't do that. Like, you're too young to do... I think, mm, you know, I'm just saying, like, do it. And let's try and be safe, you know? Yeah. But but I do think... And I, I was explaining to you that I was speaking to my cousin the other day. She's amazing. Amazing. And mm. she has some great business ideas. But the hardest thing, because of the way our world works right now, is marketing. Yeah. Because we want to see real people market stuff to us. That's how we buy. That's how we want it. Like, loads of you know, if you're booking a holiday, you go and check the reviews, right, on TripAdvisor. We never used to do that. We just used to look at pictures in a catalogue. That was enough. Like, I like the look of that. I'll go. Now, we say, let's see what Joe blogs, who I've never met. I don't know their standards. Let's see what they say about this place. I'm going to make a decision based on Joe's perception or opinion. So that's how we're buying. That's how we do business. So with with my cousin, for example, I was saying, listen, you could have the best product in the world. This is is not how we buy. Like, you have to have a network. You have to have a network to market to. So Mm -hmm. the question is always not necessarily what product, but it's like, who? Who are you going to market to? How are you going to build your audience? And if we're struggling with things like confidence, self-esteem, fears, depression, anxiety, we're really scared of rejection, we're worried, so worried about what people think, then we're going to really struggle in this world. And if we're passing that kind of, those behaviours onto our kids without realising, just by using different words, then are we... Are we going to bring up a whole generation that's going to really struggle to fit into this new world that, you know, that's how things are. I mean, it might be a bit deep, but it really is something that I think about all the time. I think, because oh, I'm always nervous about things, anxious. Um, I worry that William's going to be like that. And he's six, so he's getting embarrassed about everything at the moment. He'll do certain yeah. things in front of me, like speak on a video, but he won't do it in front of his dad. Yeah. And... Um, you know, little things I'm thinking, oh, have I messed him up already? Is he going to be okay? Or is this just a phase, you know? So I think this is just invaluable. I have fear too of, of my child. And I have that fear because I know so much about why people come and sit in my therapy bed. Yeah. Because of what happens when they're younger. And I'm like, oh, can I say that? Can I not say that? But again, I just come back to the whole thing of you just need to trust that you're just doing the best that you can. Yeah. And there really is no more than that, that we, what we can, you know, what we can do. Yeah, but by us learning more, by us being just more open to learning about things, then we can, you know, this, it's yeah. not just our kids either. You know, there's loads of people that I come across all the time that I'd like to be able to say I can help you, but I can't because I don't know. Yeah. At least but I would that. also say that I am a massive believer that as parents we should be um, educating ourselves on how to bring up our kids because we just go by the generation before. That doesn't mean it's right. 
And so I'm a big believer that we need to educate ourselves on how to be a really good parent. It's a different world. Uh, because it's the most important job in the world and yet nobody trains us. You know, so we just, it's just passed down. So true. So, so true. Gemma, thank you so much for your time. I know we probably went on longer than what you planned, but I'm just really, really grateful. I think that this kind of information, you know, stop calling it my, the 444, that breathing technique, and, te- you know, like, it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Is it true? Um, those things can really make a change straight away for people who are struggling. And then, of course, we've got hypnotherapy, if that's something that might be of interest to you. Gemma, does it? Um, Gemma Russell Hypnotherapy is your, your business. They can find it on Facebook. She has some really great content on there that I find really, really useful. And I feed that down into my parenting. Do I try? I try. I try my best. We're day two of self-isolating. Like, ask me in day five. <laughs> Ask me at day five. Yeah, I'm a very good parent in that situation. I might be booking myself in for like a daily session. <laughs> Gemma, thank you so, so much. Um, I'm sure you guys have taken loads from it. And if you have, share it on your social medias because there'll be so many people who are in exactly the same position as you. And um, yeah, let's, let's share it and help people, you know, get the tools to be able to overcome whatever it is that's challenging them. So thank you so much, Gem. I mega appreciate you. Thank you. You are more than welcome. Thank you, my darling. Bye. This podcast was sponsored by My Pro Planner, the number one planner for network marketers.